All right, so we are starting a new series today through the book of Romans. Now, if you have been following us either online or here live, you have noticed that we've just finished a series called Brace Yourself. Brace Yourself was a very important series because we really felt like it was um, directly from the Lord. We were supposed to uh, preach and go through, um, go through that series, and, and I was just being obedient to how God was speaking and to uh, go through that series. And really, it was all about just standing firm in our faith during this crazy season. And you know, it's only gonna get crazier. Obviously, with the news breaking, uh, breaking forth um, this weekend of a Supreme Court justice passing away, and um, just we need to be in prayer for that family. We need to be in prayer for everyone affected. We need to be in prayer for our, our Supreme Court, all the other justices. We need to be in prayer for godly wisdom and for God to do, God, God's gonna do what God wants to do. But we need to, we need to be in prayer for our hearts to trust in, in what's going on as he's telling us to brace ourselves for what is coming and what has been here. Obviously, you could probably assume that there's going to be an, a, a nomination and probably uh, push on through to have another um, Supreme Court justice uh, be uh, as a replacement. It'd probably be a conservative justice, I would imagine. And, um, and with that, I do believe that we're gonna see a lot of more unrest. And, uh, and the reason why I believe that is because they're telling us already. <laughs> and so um, we just need to continue to hold on to our faith, to hold on to our faith, to stand firm in our faith. And this is the reason why it's important that you know what your faith is. It cannot be your borrowed faith. It can't. It can't be the faith of your parents, of your grandparents. It can't be the faith of your spouse. You can't, be, you can't go into heaven riding on the coattails of someone you know. You have to have your own faith. Now, it doesn't mean, I, I don't mean by you have to have your own way of, of, of religion and, and, and your own way to heaven. That's not what I mean. The faith found in this book, in God's word, and so, during this season, you and I are gonna be challenged with our faith. Your faith is gonna be questioned more now than ever as we walk on through moving towards November and maybe even after that. We have to brace ourselves with the cross, with the gospel of Jesus Christ, with our faith. And if you don't have your faith to stand on, Okay, then you're going to question your faith. You're going to question it. If you don't own your faith, if you don't own your faith, if you're not reading this, dissecting it, and putting it into your heart, if you don't own it, you won't defend it. If you don't own it, you will not defend it. Give you an example. Let's say if someone told you, "Hey, I'm going to your, I'm going to your house and I'm going to go burn it down," and they told me the same thing, "I'm going to go to your house and burn it down." Okay, and and you and I know that our house is about to be burned down. I'm going to go and protect my house, not your house. I mean, I love you, but my house is being burned down. You know why? Because because I own it. I I've got stuff in there, and I'll, I'll pray for you that your fire you know, is able to be put out. And that kind of, but I need to make sure that that is protected. I, got, I have to defend my home. And so that's just like our faith. You've got to make sure that your faith is able to be defended. You've got to know it. And so one of the ways we're doing that is through this 40-day journey. This 40-day journey, I am, 
I'm calling our church. Now our church is people here, our church is watching online. We got people that live out of state that, that claim, hey, this is my church, and that's great. But I'm telling you, I, the pastor, am making this decree, I need people going through this journey. It's a 40-day journey. Now, people meaning adults, students, there could be even be some, some older elementary kids who may want to do this. And so the way this is designed is we're going through the book of Romans on this 40-day journey. Now, all it is, and this is something that's easy for you to do. All you do is you read just a few verses of a chapter, and then there's questions. Okay, there's questions like, what verse spoke out to you? What is God, what do you think God is saying in this verse based upon the context around it? And what does God want you to do with it? In other words, how does God want you to apply it? So what we're doing is, is we are teaching you how to read God's word, how to apply God's word on your own. This book is not filled with, hey, read this passage and here's what it says. This is something that you and God will need to walk through together. And obviously, we as a church are gonna walk through. It's also a fast. And in this book, in this journal, we've got different um, fast examples, and uh, you will see that. And you can actually do one fast for the whole 40 days, whatever that fast looks like, or you could do a fast per week. But you will find this at Connection Point. Before you leave today, make sure you pick up your copy. If you're watching online, if you want a copy and you want it mailed to you, you can send me an email, pastor at lakepointonline.com, and we'll make sure you get it to you. You can also download it. You can go to lakepointonline.com slash 40 days, and you can read it there. You can download it. It's ready to go. Now, when does it start? Well, that really kind of depends on, on you. I know some of you are kind of finishing other studies and everything. If you start tomorrow, you will finish the Friday before Election Day. Um, if you start next week, obviously it's, it's through Election Day, but just a few days after. Um, so you can start it this week or, or, or next week. And so however you want to do it. So it, it, it's very easy to customize this to fit your schedule and your uh, timeline of what you're already uh, participating in. So the 40-day journey, we're going to brace ourselves even more, and we're going to be ready because, let me tell you something, the book of Romans is a book that is about doctrinal faith. It, it Paul tells us, and we're gonna walk through this, and in this series, we're gonna be in this series on Sunday morning. This series is gonna last us all the way to Christmas. So we're gonna, we're gonna take our time as a church here. But, but individually, we're gonna take 40 days and, uh, and have some time of, of prayer along with that and fasting. But the book of Romans is a book that is something that will help all of us to own our faith. If you own it, you will defend it. And let me tell you, <laughs> you will need to know to defend your faith, what you believe in, why do you believe it? So what is Romans? Well, the book of Romans is written by Paul, the apostle, and uh, was written around 57 or 58 AD while Paul was in the city of Corinth. But the book is actually a letter. And, and when you read this, it's important that you read it as a letter. Don't read it as a book. You wanna read it as a letter to the church there in Rome, okay, the, the, the Christians there in Rome. There's some Jewish Christians and there's some uh, Gentile Christians, Greek Christians, but people who have surrendered their life to Christ and Paul is writing this letter to the church in Rome. So very little is really written about the church um, in Rome, but we do know this, they had a, a big time reputation of their faith and obedience. Uh, to the Lord. And so 
uh, their reputation preceded them. Paul really was trying, trying to go to them many times, but was stopped and just distracted and, and uh, other things that were going on while he was in other parts of, of the world. And so, but uh, he finally, obviously, is able to go uh, to, to Rome as you read through uh, the book of Acts. But the, the church in Rome is, is uh, one that, uh, that Paul wanted to protect. And, and, and the reason why he wrote this letter is because there were lots of, spa, uh, lots of false doctrines being spread around in the known world to various churches. A lot of Jews were, were trying to spread false doctrines. And, and trying, to, um, trying to confuse people with uh, things that were against what was being said and what was being birthed and as the Bible was literally being written, the New Testament. And so Paul wanted to make sure that he protected the church in Rome because if it spread through other parts of the world, this false doctrine, it was also going to spread to Rome itself. And so Paul wanted to make sure that, hey, this is what the gospel is. It's important. And the gospel really is, obviously, about um, accepting Christ as Savior and, and, and salvation and the cross and the resurrection. But the theme of, of this letter really is about righteousness. It's about righteousness. How none of us are righteous. Jesus is perfectly righteous. And as we put our faith in him and, and his salvation in our lives, we can live a life free of sin. And then we have the power through the power of the Holy Spirit. We have a power to live a life of righteousness as we please him with our life, with a life of obedience and holiness to him. And so really, this, this letter is about righteousness. Again, we have none. Jesus has it. He's perfect. We can, we can have the righteousness of God as we believe in Jesus. The Holy Spirit, come to him, come to, into us, and then we can live a righteous life. So what would be the theme of, what would be the theme of this letter? What would, what would be sort of the, the, um, uh, the Magna Carta Verses, the scripture of this letter. What's actually we're going to read it today? It's part of uh, chapter one, and I'm going to I'm going to um, read that just real quick here. It's uh, Romans chapter one, verse sixteen through seventeen. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is a power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. So there it is about righteousness. So this book is devoted to explaining why and how the gospel of Christ in God's power is able to save all who believe. Is able to save all who believe. So as we open up our book, your copy of God's Word to Romans, we're gonna, obviously we're just gonna be in Romans 1. Now Romans chapter one, we're going to read this chapter. We're gonna, we're gonna read in different sections of it, but if you uh, open up to Romans chapter one, and as you dive into uh, the first five verses, so really verses, Verses one through 17 is sort of an introduction to, to this letter, okay? So again, as we read this, think of it as a letter, and you'll, you'll see that. But verses one through 17 is basically an introduction. And we'll, we'll put, uh, put a few things, uh, talk about a few things about this first section, uh, but after verse 17, we'll get into the meat of uh, this first chapter here. So let's read this, Romans one through five. And so this introduction is, uh, this part of the introduction is concerning Paul. So here it is, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David 
and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through him we received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. So this first part of this introduction, verses one through five, is, is about Paul and why was he called. So it's about Paul's place in life. He's a servant and he's an apostle, meaning called of God to speak the words of God. So just like the disciples, the original 12 disciples, uh, eventually were known as apostles because Jesus literally called them out and said, all right, I need you to be my voice, okay? I need you to speak for me. And so when, when you're speaking, it's as if I am speaking. And of course, after the Holy Spirit came, that, that gives them the power and the connection uh, to uh, all things God, all things Jesus, and they're able to uh, speak with authority. Uh, Paul's story in life is the gospel of Christ. You know, this is not a new thing. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus, is not something that just happened in the New Testament. The gospel of Jesus Christ has been planned for a very long time through the prophets and their words. You can go back and see in the Old Testament, there's lots of different places where the, uh, the, the prophets have been talking about the coming of the Messiah. And then Paul's purpose in life is to produce obedience based on faith. He has been sent by God to bring about obedience to faith in Christ and to show people how to live and how to walk with their lives in honor of Christ. So the next section, verses six through 15. This one's concerning the Romans. So this is concerning the church. Verse six. And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. Now, their reputation precedes them. God, whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now, at last, by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I have had among the other Gentiles." I am obligated both to Greeks and to non-Greeks, both to the wise and to the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. Now understand this. Rome is the epicenter of the world at this time. Paul has, Paul has been, arrest, uh, Paul's been arrested by Roman guards. He, he, he's been placed in prison. And so he's going to the epicenter of, of everything that's going, that has against what, what Christianity is about. I mean, Roman guards placed Jesus on the cross, placed him in a tomb, and guarded the tomb. And so he is going there, and he longs, and so it, it's a dangerous place for Paul to go, is what I'm saying. It's a dangerous place for Paul to go, but guess what? He's saying, I long to be with you. My soul longs for it. Not only did I, I preach the gospel, that you learned something from me, but that I can learn something from you, and we could build one another up in our faith. We're in a season in, our, in the church, in our culture, in our world, where we've been scattered. 
and, and we're still not all together yet, and there's medical reasons for that, absolutely. But I love that people are starting to come back, not just at Lake Point Church, but you hear it all across America and even in our own county. I was reading reports of other churches like, yeah, we're opening up fully and, you know, next month or, or whatever. But y'all, we have got to meet together as much as we possibly can. And I love that you're here. And if you're joining us online, I know there's a reason why you can't be here. But know this, that we need each other. We should long to be together all right, so we had verses one through five was the introduction about Paul. Verse six through 15 is about the Roman church. And here we are, verse 16 through 17. This is all about the gospel. And it says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is a power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. So he's basically saying in this letter, before he comes to visit them, look, this, this is why I'm coming. To, to share this message, and this is the reason why we should do what we do, and this is the reason why you should meet, because we need to encourage one another to walk in the faith, and we need to spread the gospel message to as far as we possibly can. Paul is not ashamed. He is not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Church, I need to tell you something. I believe there's gonna come a season where you're going to have to question, do I wanna tell people that I'm a follower of Christ? Yesterday, Susanna and I were kind of running some errands and I had my Lake Point T-shirt on. Love my Lake Point T-shirt, it's so soft. And it just, it, it looks, I think it looks good on me, you know what I'm saying? And so we're walking and we're, you know, eating in a restaurant and just, you know, having a good time. And, um, and part of me thought yesterday, especially with kind of the news breaking forth and other people saying there's going to be rioting and everything, and I'm like going, man, I'm, I'm like a target. I just had that thought. I mean, like, I'm a target to, to people who want to go against what I stand for, my, my belief, my faith, what's in this book. Because what I believe in this book is, is very different than how the world is living and how the world is currently rioting. And so I thought, well, maybe, maybe I shouldn't wear my shirt. But then I was like, well, hold on a second, Frank. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And obviously this shirt, that shirt is a representation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. As it, as it literally points upward on our shirt and it shows an inward change and if it shows the crimson red color of the blood of Jesus. And I, I think there's going to be a day where you're gonna have to stand up and say, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But can I tell you something? You need to decide that now. But there's no way you're going to be able to say that if you don't own your faith. And if you don't understand why it is what you believe. And again, it's not based upon, well, the preacher said it. No, it's because you read it. Not because I said it, but because you read it. So let's get to the, uh, to the meat of this, this chapter. So this is really all about the need for salvation. Paul is going to help us understand that you and I, 
mankind, hum, humanity, we need salvation. You know why? Because we're rotten. We're awful. How you may say, uh, you may think, oh, there's more rotten people, more awful people. All right, you may, you may think that because of their actions, but can I tell you, sin is sin, and if you're sinning, you're, you're not living a life of righteousness. Now, there's no way that you and I can live a perfect life. We walk by grace. We'll get into that in Romans, but we walk not only by faith, but by grace. We fall down, we confess, he's faithful and just to forgive us, we rise up again, we keep marching forward. But as we get into this section, verses 18 through the rest of this chapter, uh, the first part of this, verses 18 through 23, is about uh, the wicked man, or humanity, dishonoring God. So verse 18 through 23, and it says this. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people. I mean, you could turn on a news station and see a bunch of godlessness and wickedness in this world. And guess what? You could probably look in the mirror and see some of that as well. I know I do. I was like, come on, Frank. You could do better than this. You can, you can walk in a life of holiness. You, you need to spend t- more time with Jesus. I talk to myself all the time. And so whether you're, it's on TV or in the mirror, there is godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Verse 19, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has been made it, uh, made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. So, Paul is showing the wickedness of man. And in these first couple of verses, 18 through 19, it's all about mankind stifling God's revealed truth. There's truth about God. God puts it all around us. The more that you study science, And the more that you dive into a microscope or study the heavens far uh, far away, the more that you understand, wow, (laughs) there's more to this than what I can see with my own eye. There are many scientists who start off as atheists and the, the more they dive into things, the more that they understand there's no way, there's no way that this was an accident. There is no way that this is an accident. God has made himself plain to those who deny him and disobey him. There are, people's disobedience is not a result of ignorance. People's disobedience is not a result of ignorance. It's, it's a result of rebellion. It, they just want to rebel. They rebel against that. In verse 20, it talks about um, the despising the testimony of nature. God has shown us, looking around us through nature. And I'm not talking about microscopes and, and telescopes. I'm talking about what you and I can see, what you and I can breathe as you look around. If you've been to parts of the world, even the United States, if you've been to parts of, of the United States and, and, and just, it, you stand in awe of the fact that this is not an accident. There is a higher power. Someone created this. 
And for someone to look at the world, to look at all the different species of animals and trees and flowers, and look at the landscape and the sunrise and the sunset and the rainbows and the incredible skies and the force and the power of nature, to be able to say, hmm, I don't believe it. There's no way. God has given, God has given them a sign. God has proven to himself, look, this, this really, this really was created by me as God reveals himself to mankind. I created this for my glory and I created this because I love you. It's without excuse, without excuse, simply no excuses. In verses 21 through, through uh, 22, it just talks about the, the ungratefulness and the foolishness of man. You reject, we reject him first as creator, and that's, that's really kind of how it starts. In, in, in our world and in, in our education, our, they've been teaching us this and are continuing to teach us that if we reject God as creator, then other things will follow from there. And it works like this. We reject God as creator, and then now that we reject God as creator, it leads to a refusal to honor or give thanks to God. I mean, after all, why honor a God who didn't make the world? Why honor the God? Why honor a being, a God, who didn't create the world? He didn't create the world, is what people tell us. And so because of that, we refuse to honor him. And we, we refuse to give our life for him. And because of that, if God is not the creator, why would we assume that he is the provider of all that we need? Why would we assume that? If God didn't create this creation, and, and if we don't honor him in that, and if, and if we don't think that he created it, then why would we assume that he could provide for our needs if he didn't even create what we see? Why give thanks to God for what we believe we have developed and acquired for ourselves? Why give thanks? Do you see how that progression has played out and the people are living out in their life? They disconnect, and Satan has done an amazing job of this, confusing us. Disconnect creator God with creation. He's out of the picture. Why do we need to go before him? So if we don't need to go before him to provide for our needs, that's, guess what? That leaves it on us. I can take care of it. I can do this. No problem. Why do I need a God? I mean, there really isn't one because he didn't really create anything. It's just a children's story. So then verse 23, it talks about idolatry. It talks about we, we begin to worship created things and creation and things that we have created. And it's not, and it's not just, I mean, I mean, you see this in the world. People who are so focused on creation that they don't worship the creator. They worship creation this past week. They had a politician come on, Mother Nature, Mother Earth is mad. Uh, I don't think it's Mother Earth. I think it's Father God. Because they were talking about all the fires in, on the West Coast. Mother Earth is mad. They're, they're, they're so focused on protecting 
and loving and worshiping the environment and creation that they forget to worship the creator. And we worship things that we have created. Things that we've created, we worship them above and beyond the one who's created all things and has given us the ability and the knowledge to create what we have in our life. So, because wicked man has done this, God has now said, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give up. I'm gonna give up. Have you ever had someone give up on you? Have you ever had someone give up on you? It's not a good feeling. Maybe a coach. Maybe a coach who's like, nah, just wear the jersey. Sit on the bench. Maybe a parent, a father, a mother who's given up on you. Maybe a, maybe a friend who's given up on you has stopped investing their time and their energy in your life. It's not a good feeling. I mean, obviously, God has provided Jesus Christ. He's proven his love. But as we're singing, we're gonna see in this next section, there's a holy God who's gonna give up on wicked mankind. And we see this in verse 24 through 32, the end of the chapter. So let's read starting verse 24. Therefore, that's an important word, therefore, and that depends on what was ahead of that. So we just got through talking about how mankind has um, looked beyond the proof that there's a God. And it said, you know what? Because there's not a God, I don't, I don't need to depend on him. I could take care of this myself and live a life of wickedness. Because of that, therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised, amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. He's like, I, I, I'm, I'm done. Just, you wanna live that way? Okay. You desire things? Okay. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanders, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decrees that those who do such things deserve death, they, do, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. Let me tell you something. The evil that's going on in the world right now, there's, there's no excuse. You say, well, they're just, they're just not Christians, and so they don't need to act like Christians. And yeah, that's right. But they've been given proof. They have, if they're, if they're in America, they, they have been told of the good news of Jesus Christ. I could pretty much 
guarantee it. It is, it is everywhere. They know, but yet they choose not to follow God's decrees and a life of righteousness. Because they choose not to follow a life of righteousness, the only other choice is a life of unrighteousness. Unrighteousness. And, and because of that, God is saying, look, you want this? You can have it. You want this? You can have it. <laughs> it's like my dad. My dad would, I would want to, you know, do something and, or try to work on something at the house or, or a, a, a project. And I wanted to kind of do it on my own, right? It's like, no, I can, I can do this. You sure? Yeah. Yeah, I could take the carburetor out of my car, bring it in the kitchen table and take it apart, rebuild it, and put it back together. I, I can do this. You sure you don't need help? No, I can do it. Put it back in the car. Catches on fire. I mean, you know, it's just, it's crazy. Start over. But it's like many times in my life, my dad would say, you want this? Okay, go ahead. I'm just gonna step back over here and, and watch you take care of that. Watch you do this. You wanna hang around those friends? Okay, you hang around those friends. Let's just see how that works out. You, you wanna watch certain things and, and, and feel like you're man enough or adult enough to handle Adult movies or adult content? All right, go, go right ahead as it seeps into your marriage, your life. Of course, I'm talking about general things, not just about myself, but, you know, God does come to the point. He loves us, absolutely, but he does get to the point to where he's like, all right, here you go. Let me know what that's like. And we're seeing this in our culture. We're seeing this in our lives. He's giving us over to our wicked desires. Whatever we want, he's allowing us to have. And don't just think, don't just think that it's, it's something big. Meaning, don't just think it's just the big sins. Well, pastor, I'm not out riding and I'm not out, you know, in, in the middle of all this stuff. But that passage I just read had a list of things that varied in different degrees of disobedience all the way down to where it says disobeying your parents. You know, all of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. We live in a wicked world because mankind, because humans, we are wicked. We have sinned. And the only way is through the righteousness of Jesus. But in chapter one, Paul just puts it out there. We are, we're wicked. And rather than focusing on the wickedness, because there are some, I read some things that are sort of the big sins, you know, in our mind. The big sins that we, we talk about in, in our culture. We gotta, we gotta focus on Telling people how they're sinning in their life. No. Can, can I tell you something? Allow the Holy Spirit to fix that in their life. What we do, we just got to share Jesus. 
whether they're living an alternative lifestyle or disobeying their parents, the thing that fixes that is the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what fixes that. And the only way they're going to accept Jesus Christ is if they know the truth. You and I, we've got to be ready to tell people. We've got to tell people the truth. We've got to share Jesus If you're going to die today, where would you go? Where would you go? And if you're not sure, then you're not ready to meet Jesus. You need him in your life. You need forgiveness of sins. You need to um, believe on the cross, the resurrection. You need to give your heart to him and live for him. And let the Holy Spirit come into your life. That's our job, to pray for people and to share. That's it. That's it. We pray and we share. And then let this Holy Spirit move in the hearts of people and to move them further away, step by step, away from a life of sin. And it can happen. I have friends who have lived a life of sin, and now they're set free. There are people in this church, part of this church, maybe you're watching online, you have had a life of sin. You were born again by believing in Jesus, and now you're living a life of righteousness. Are you perfect? No, I'm not perfect, but we believe in Jesus, we trust in him, we get into God's word, we pray. So if you're here today, and if you're a a believer in Jesus Christ, are you living your Christian life unashamed? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because guess what? If you are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, people are going to know it. They're going to know it. If you are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you're gonna share it. If you're not talking about it, are you really unashamed? If you're keeping it to yourself, I know there's a, there's a lot of people who are like, I'm not gonna tell you who I'm voting for because you know I don't wanna put that sign out there. I don't want people to know there's a, there's a kind of a, a silent majority I think that's out there and we're just not really talking and we're just like, hey, we're just gonna, we're just gonna see, right? You can't live your Christian life like that. You're not gonna go to the polls with your Christian faith. I mean, you can use your Christian faith in polls and how you vote, absolutely, but that's not how you live your life secretly. I'm going to pray for this person. I'll pray for this person. That's great, but it takes a step of faith. You need to put out a sign. It takes you putting out a sign in your yard and to say, this is what I believe. Basically, living your life. Living your life. This is what I believe. I am not ashamed with the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I want to pray for you. I want to talk to you. Let's go have coffee. Let, let's sit next to each other at the next uh, game. Let's build a relationship. There's something important I need to share with you. If you are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you're going to tell people. You are. And if you're sitting here today and, and if you need, to, you need to confess some sin because you haven't been bold enough, then today is a good day. It is. God, I'm sorry for not telling my family. I'm sorry for not sharing this with my coworker, my teammates. I'm sorry for this. But also, if you're sitting here today, you've never accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. Maybe you're watching online. You've never accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. You could, you could die today, and you're not sure where you would go. If you're not sure, can I tell you something? You are now officially without excuse. As you're hearing my words to you right now, you're without excuse. Today is the day 
for salvation to come into your home and into your heart. Today is the day. No more excuses. No more. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Believers, either in this room or watching online, if you need to confess of not sharing your faith, if you need to confess because you have been ashamed of the gospel, if you need to confess that, do that right now. And ask God to forgive you and ask God to give you the power and the fortitude to stand for your faith, to share the good news of salvation in Jesus. If you're watching today or sitting here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, if you're not sure where you would go if you die, today's a day. Simply say these words after me. Say, dear Jesus, I'm sorry for ignoring you. I'm sorry for living my life on my own. I'm laying down the excuses. No more excuses. I believe in you. I believe you died for me. Please forgive me my sin. Come be Lord of my life. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. And if that is you, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, I wanna know about it. Pastor at lakepointonline.com. If you're here today, you can tell me about it. But please, y'all, let's not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you are now officially without excuse. And if today's your Christian birthday, please let us know. We would love to hear about it. Next week, we're gonna be in Romans chapter two. And also, before you leave, or as you leave, connection point, I want everybody putting one of these in your hand, okay? There's not many things as a pastor that I can sort of decree. I don't really do this often, but I'm telling you right now, this is... I'm just being obedient to the Lord. I'm being faithful to God. God said, brace yourself. It's my job as a pastor to help us all brace ourselves. This is the way, one of the ways we're doing it, okay? Brace ourselves with the faith that is in God's word. So pick up one of these, and if you're not here, you can request one of these, sending me an email, we'll mail it to you, or you can download it at lakepointonline.com forward slash 40 days. Come back next week. Bring a friend. Love you guys. You're dismissed.